Welcome to the Texas Law Dog Podcast, where we will get you off, literally and legally. Your weekly true crime podcast from the criminal defense lawyer's perspective. Join the Texas Law Dog and co-host Akash as they venture into the nitty-gritty of the criminal justice system and explore how there may be practical solutions to cleaning it up. Any and all content produced should not be construed as formal legal advice. Used for educational, marketing, and solicitation purposes only. Some information may be factual. All guests have agreed to use their real names and likenesses. All views and opinions expressed by the Texas Law Dog reflect the opinions of Texas Law Dog LLC only and should not be construed as formal or informal legal advice by a practicing attorney. The Texas Law Dog will not get you off, literally or legally, despite what he may claim. Welcome back, friends, uh, for another episode of the Texas Law Dog Podcast. Akash, what's going on, my friend? What's up, brother? How are you? <laughs> People are still texting me going, who is this guy? <laughs> I'm, I'm in the shadows, bro. I'm behind the curtains. <laughs> you are, dude. You're like the uh, uh, Wizard of Oz. I mean, truly. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy that's actually pulling all the strings, right? It's all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's the madman behind the magic. Um, exactly. He's just he's getting the he is the 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 medium behind the modicum, which is I love your uh, I love your outfit today, by the way, buddy. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, Who is that? Is that, is that Johnny Lawrence, Lawrence? dude? It's Johnny Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> fucking Cobra Kai. You gotta sweep the leg, people. Um, I wanted to start off the show today with a little. So I I mean the last few episodes I've been calling for unity and love, right? I mean, that's been kind of the general message, you'd say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's been what we've been talking about all the time, bro. All right. Well, people on my street are not listening up um, because the election is supposedly over, but it's not. Uh, according to the Chronicle, in reality, the election process is not over yet. Uh, I didn't know that based on the newspaper. <laughs> it's been a weird... Uh, couple of weeks or a week and a half, I guess. Um, but I've still got people in my street. And so I've, I've kind of been planning a little something here. Um, and I, and I encourage all of y'all to do the same. Um, which is if you really, if you just hate kind of the rhetoric, it's time to start trolling these, these people. So what I wanted to, I'm thinking about doing is, um, Basically, there is a guy a couple of houses down from me, and he has his Trump flag waving, and he has like two signs, but he set them up strategically in front of his ring cam so that he's encouraging people to go fuck with them. And then there's a guy across the street, directly across the street, who won't take down his Biden sign. So it's like they're, they're the only two people left on the street with political signs left up. And so if you have this situation in your street, maybe this is something that you should think about doing. There's a lot of talk about the vaccine going on. Have you heard about this? The the how the vaccine it, the the hoax the whole the whole hoax <laughs> one or what? Okay, so yeah, that's the best part, right? Um, can you think of a more divisive issue than a vaccine? Oh God, this is dude, be so isn't much that fun. crazy? Why is a vaccine divisive? <laughs> right? Because yeah, well, I never thought it used to be when when like I'm vaccinated. Are you? Yeah, uh, not COVID, not yet, but I mean... Flu, no, no, yeah. no. No one has a COVID vaccine. Yeah, but what yeah, I'm saying yeah. is I like... the flu, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, flu shots. Although it's funny, though, about the flu shot. I don't know. I, I, 
I asked my mom, I was like, have I, did I ever get the flu shot when I was a kid? She's like, yeah, all the time. Um, but I, don't, I can't remember the last time I never, I, the last time I actually got it was like December. No, not December. It was like 2017. And that was the last year I've been like truly sick. So I don't know if there was any correlation with that, but I haven't had the flu and I haven't had the flu shot since. Uh, that being said, if you want to have some fun, guys, go ahead and get on Microsoft Word and um, take all your take. So if you want, if you've got someone that you want to annoy that's a Trump supporter, you want to load up language about how you're pro-science and that vaccines have been around forever to deal with pandemics and that, of course, um, the big pharmaceutical companies and our governments are, uh, you know, going to be trustworthy in this endeavor. Uh, we have no reason to doubt them, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I completely and wholeheartedly trust Pfizer and, and everyone that makes like at least over a billion dollars. That's, well, <laughs> I don't trust them at least they make a billion. So yeah, if it's Pfizer execs, it needs to be at least coming from the C-suite and then I'll believe everything that they tell me about the vaccine. 90% effectiveness is pretty good. Uh, 90% um, chance that you won't get it, I guess, is what they're saying. Um, so there's a 10% chance that you can, even if you do get it. So what I'm saying is whatever your side is, uh, load up, um, a bunch of propaganda on your, on your Microsoft word documents there. And, um, whichever side you want to go with, right. You can be like, uh, you're a fucking science denier. Uh, these are going to be DNA, RNA altering vaccines. <laughs> and bill gates is sponsoring it he didn't he work for microsoft why the fuck is he in the public health sector um <laughs> it doesn't matter what you want okay if you're pro-science if you're anti-science you need to just make it so that the other side will hate what you say and then just go and deliver that to their door and just put like give them a little pamphlet so you can hit them with some knowledge and then actually what you should do is if they're a pro-trump person you should wait so you should go hit them with a pro-science uh, flyer. And, well, first off, you need to set up a fake Google voice number so that you can track everyone because this is how you're going to get a good beat on what everyone in your neighborhood believes so that when the purge comes, you know who to uh, get behind. <laughs> but basically, I would recommend that everyone uh, can... Uh, two days after you deliver um, anti-science rhetoric, you need to follow up with a pro-science rhetoric. And then... That way they can, they're going to assume that somebody else saw this flyer and that there's another person going around trying to trump out their arguments. So at that point, you need to call for action on the flyer and state that you've got to, we've got to set up a, and, and you've got to have two different numbers, one for the pro vaccine, one for the anti-vaccine camp. And once you get a good idea of how everyone on your street feels, then you need a wait a week, okay? And then you come back and you, 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 you use another flyer and you state that you have been observing, this is a, a completely different uh, color paper maybe. And, and so like, you need to make it appear like it's somebody else. And you'll be like, I've been, I've been observing and watching all of you and I know where each of your houses sit on the vaccine issue. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that I will be going door to door to personally inspect your arms, that you have taken the shot um, and that if you have a problem with this, you need to give me a call. Anyone who calls you, you know those people are going to be the troublemakers.
<laughs> for troublemakers for what? What are you you're trying to overthrow? A, I mean, oh no no no, dude! I think the military should just come into our houses and forcibly vaccinate us. I mean, that just makes sense at this point. Like that's the safest thing for us. But the um, the whole issue has been there's no dude there's no rights anymore. <laughs> We're gonna get into the Fourth Amendment, but that's that's not even a like it's just public safety, Akash. All right, when there's public safety on the line, personal liberties take a backseat. There is no rights. We need to public health science with a capital S. That takes all. That is the. I mean, it's our new god. I think that we need to basically just contemplate abandoning the Constitution in the name of public health uh, because it would certainly make things a lot easier for all these stupid dissenters that won't just freaking line up to get their shots. It's, uh, it's dangerous, bro. It's dangerous. I mean, they are dangerous. Just to play devil's advocate. Those people are dangerous. Extenuating circumstances. They're anti-vaxxers. They, tr like, oh my God. They, fucking, they don't trust science. Every, they don't trust big pharmaceutical companies making billions of dollars on this. Every 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 dictator uses extenuating circumstances to take power, bro. It's always a fucking military. Dictator. It's always a military. Uh, we don't have dictators. We have democracy in this country. Right, this is what, what are you talking about? Republic. We talked about how we had checks and balances. Yeah, uh, we don't have a dictator. Democratic <laughs> Democratic Republic, though, right? Not a oh, yeah, 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 no. yeah, no. So it's rich people uh, <laughs> serving on our behalf. <laughs> oh, wake up, people. It's going to be too late. It's in all, all right, anyway, guys, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to start the show off with something a little light. There's your anti uh, and pro-vaccine takes. There you go. I got you both. I've now <laughs> satisfied both camps. And if you aren't satisfied with that solution, um, well, then you need to just sit in your homes and wait for the military, okay? Because Operation Warp Speed is covered uh, and ready to like roll out, right? Um, because here's the thing, though, is like the I read a BBC article where they're talking about needing to you're gonna have to get like a certificate of vaccination record or like um they even mentioned like a quantum dot tattoo where you get like an invisible ink put in under your right arm, and that's what you scan as you pass through TSA to go on a flight. Like, do you think that shit is going to fly? Are we talking Literally? About, this is Good BBC, pun. This is, the, is the BBC art? Oh, ha ha, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the BBC article, is that for the United States or is that for... No, uh, so it's for, the, it's for the UK, but I imagine that if that is kind of the philosophy they're going with... No, uh, it'll never, that kind of, that'll never fly in the US, bro. That's why I am. That, what you just said is not going to fucking... The US is... We're way too like big on individual rights to like we don't give a shit what what's what's Dude, it's public safety. Yeah, we don't give a shit about public safety, bro. You can do like, everything you know, in the name of public safety. We want it's our right. Watch to do whatever we'll, the fuck we'll you want. Our rights, bro. And it, it's, just, it's stupid. It's honestly. It's so you wait. You think that people would push back against the airlines or how do you? Bro, so what they're gonna? Back. They're not gonna make it mandatory. They're gonna make exactly. it so that we push back on if that. you. You can't get your license. You can't go to a concert. Ticketmaster and Live Nation just came out yesterday and said. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come to shows anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, the, the first thing that every country oh, you did guys was are stupid. The first thing that every country did when COVID happened was mandate masks. The US couldn't even do that. You know what I'm saying? Like we were like And that's the thing, is like masks appear to work, right? Like Asian cultures minimum. wear them. They've been wearing them forever. Doctors wear them. 
but they didn't wear them. Like, here's the thing about masks is that doctors and nurses didn't walk around hospitals wearing masks before this. Uh, they, they only wore them during surgery. So I understand we're in a pandemic and whatever, but let's not just assume that, oh yeah, doctors and nurses, all they do is, is wear masks all day. They did not do that before March of last year. Uh, and I think that that's important to remember, um, as well as the fact that it's not that big of a deal. I don't mind putting a fucking mask on to go into a store. I'm in a bowling league. If you guys could guess, I'm the fucking captain of a bowling league every Wednesday. Uh, I go and I bowl and I feel completely safe and I'm with a lot of older people. We're like the youngest team by like 30 years. <laughs> you wear masks? You, do you wear masks? Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to, uh, you can't go in unless you do. So it's like, it's, it's people just put up with it from what I've seen. Even, I mean, I live in, you know, we're, it's just Texas. It can be pretty conservative in places, but, uh, you know, in the city for the most part, like putting a mask on to go to a store, like, yeah, it's inconvenient, but fuck it dude i mean if that's what we have to do in order to limit the spread then we need to do that now the difference being that if you want to tell me that oh you don't have to inconvenience yourself with a mask if you just get the vaccine no 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 no. i'll i'll wear the mask um and then when they try and do like a whole separate but equal thing where they make venues half vaccinated half non-vaccinated so we go back to segregation <laughs> uh <laughs> I've seen that kind of as a as a uh, strategy for uh, compromise. That's not going to work, y'all. Um, because what's going to happen is everyone's just going to find a doctor to fucking lie and tell the um, people that they got it. And so versus, versus just getting vaccinated. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing is like, like if you don't know what's I, I trust vaccines in 1988 i don't know what the fuck is going on today i got i gotta do my research on this shit but i know that there's a ton of anti-vax rhetoric out there um which i think honestly might have been put out there just to create the wedge issue uh so it's vaccines as far as i'm concerned work like we did eradicate polio mumps measles uh you know the 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 big ones meningitis like we need to knock those people like we don't need that shit coming back right we don't need a new fucking plague just because parents are scared to give their kids mumps vaccines but this particular vaccine is is a little bit disconcerting to me just because of how rushed it is i don't i haven't seen any science like i'm just expected to trust someone about it that's uh, smarter than me about vaccines. If you trust big pharmaceutical companies and you trust your government, you should definitely trust the vaccine. If you don't, well, then it's worth asking a couple of questions. But the problem is that you're not allowed to. So if you're not allowed to have a discussion about it, um, it's going to just create an untenable situation. What do you think? I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, fuck it, dude. I, at this point, I want normalcy to return. If people feel safe getting a vaccine that's an mRNA and DNA-altering vaccine, good. Get up and get it. I want to watch and see how it does first, and then I'll fucking get it before I go to concerts. Uh, I would, I think, I mean, the, the, the recent thing is, like, COVID is not going to go away regardless until the end of 2021. Like, it's not even like this vaccine will create any sort of, you know, overnight. No, dude, this, is all, this is all here to stay, right? So now they've got this control mechanism 
that they can constantly use, right? So we can always have new lockdowns. We can have COVID 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. We can get a different iteration <laughs> or mutation every single year at this point and just use it as fear porn for everybody because everyone's going to be like, oh, fuck, we got a mutation. Told you. Better get Bill and Melinda on the fucking phone to fix us uh, because we need just that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's going to be never ending at this point. So, my goal is to just fucking comment on it as if I don't give a shit about it because my goal, I, I will get vaccinated and then I will get a blood transfusion to immediately replace my blood. And then I will get a new vaccine and then I'll get another blood transfusion and then I'll get a new vaccine. And then you guys will never know if I actually got it or not. But I don't, so what I, what I, my point was, I don't think there'll ever be a return to normalcy, bro. Like I think the return to normalcy, like a, even it, there's going to be, it, there's a, there's going to be a post COVID world. And a pre-COVID world. Like, it's never going to go back the way it was before. It's, BC, right? Before COVID? Yeah. It, it, oh, interesting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we can restart our fucking years. Post-COVID. <laughs> Post-COVID. PC. I guess that means that uh, we got the Messiah returning soon or whatever, which means that there's a, we've got a big old, what, false flag, you know, bioattack or uh, fucking, at this point, I'm expecting an asteroid, maybe a volcano eruption. Because this one, a good, what would be good? We need some sort of distraction. like Bro, because COVID, know? COVID, the thing with COVID also was like, it was a 99.9% like not, or like a 1%, less than a 1% mortality rate, right? So imagine a, a disease that was this fucking... Um, wait, wait, wait. Contagious. It's only a one, wait, wait, wait. I haven't heard this. COVID kills less than 1% of people? Yeah, like less than, I mean, it's not like it's killing everyone. Dude, like, no way, dude. Like, what are the I have, numbers? I have been hearing, I have been reading in the media that it is a fucking killer. Like it is... I mean, it's killing millions of people, but it's because hundreds of millions of people are getting it. Wait, wait, wait. How many, so it's killed like what, 2 million? COVID mortality rate. How many people are on the planet? Uh, almost like 8 billion mortality rate. So what's the percentage of 2 million to 8 billion? That's a lot. So, um, cases right now in the United States is, uh, over a million and 20,000 deaths. So 20,000 divided. And all of those are just from COVID-19, not comorbidities, right? Obviously they're just COVID deaths. So we need to be terrified of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 0.02% mortality, bro. And from cases to well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, of the people that have died, I want to know how many have died just from COVID-19 that didn't have other conditions. Oh, you can never separate it. You were never. Oh, I thought that. that oh, wait, I read an article from the uh, CDC that said like I thought it said like six percent of people. Uh, oh yeah, like with that a have died from COVID condition. had only COVID. Oh, or I don't see, I don't know. I don't know any detailed numbers like that. All I know is just- Well, the CDC releases like different information every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. and that's the other problem is that I trust them. I trust the FDA. I trust the CDC. I trust the World Trade Organization. They are putting out consistently good information, people. And it's, it's like, they've got a congruent plan, obviously, because the FDA has come out and said that asymptomatic people don't need to worry about spreading the virus. And they came back and said that they did. So- Whatever they and, end up choosing, I trust them. And I mean, death is also a really fucking low bar to set as well. Like, just because you're not dying doesn't mean it's not a horrible experience. Well, no, all we hear about now is like cases, right? Cases yeah, that's are the a, new exactly. Fear so, I mean, one million thing. cases and twenty thousand deaths is in just the United States. Twenty thousand people dying is definitely dude. That's too many. Deal. Hey, look, hey, one death, one death from this means that eight billion people need to get vaccinated. 
That's my opinion. If yeah, one I person agree. dies from this, every single one of us needs to get vaccinated. No, I That's agree. The only bro, way we can fucking fix this. The point that I was making is, if a disease, if, if we're right now we're suffering a pandemic with less than a one percent. If it were actually like a something that could kill us, bro, like we would be fucked as a world. Like we were so underprepared for in terms of how to. Um, that's not what Trump said. Trump told us that we were good to go. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, it, <laughs> so I mean, it's less than a less than a one percent mortality, and we already can't handle the fucking cases in the or hospitals and keep people alive, bro. So imagine if this were actually like something that like you know ten percent of people who got it died. Or, well, ridiculous. to me, I don't know. It's just like, if this was a real pandemic, I feel like I would know someone, like everyone would have someone in their family that's died already, you know? Like we're yeah, going to have 25% like, so death rate. Which, the next one, which, which, so, which means the next oh, one. Oh, when everyone next doesn't get the vaccine be... and then whoever doesn't get the vaccine. Yeah, the <laughs> that would be one, genius the on their part. Just... Everybody's tentative to get the vaccine, but if Why you don't not... get it, then you oh. will die from COVID-22. Exactly, <laughs> that's <bro>. fucking genius. <laughs> you better get that fucking vaccine then, people, if you want to live. It's, it's basically like a, when we run like a first, first layer of ads and then we basically spend all our money in retargeting. Bro, <laughs> anyone who doesn't get the edge, oh shit, fuck dude! I am getting that vaccine. Fuck that! Yeah. I do not want to die <laughs> when they release the thing that you need the vaccine for to survive. <laughs> uh, that being said, I did want to briefly touch because uh, the news is topical, and now that. The media has appointed Biden the president-elect, which is hysterical to me, because uh, we were talking about gaslighting on the last episode, and he's not the president-elect of shit, <laughs> uh, according to election law, uh, even though they're printing it as president-elect Joe Biden, which is, oh, can I get my election law take out here? I know everyone's got one, but since we're all going to be fucking election law experts by the end of the month, I've got to get my, I've got to get my prediction out there so that the law dog. When they're like, oh, you were right, you fucking stupid idiot. Um, I took election law in law school, so I, I, this qualifies me to speak on the matter. Um, I've, I've been exposed to more of it than y'all. Let's put it that way. Have you taken an election law course? No, hell no. Why would I take an no. election law course? Well, <laughs> everyone is uh, a fucking Google expert. But I did look up some notes from election law uh, from my class because – I actually saw one of my professor that taught it uh, was quoted in the Chronicle um, a couple of days ago. But basically, <clears throat> this is so funny. It reminds you of the Entourage episode where <laughs> Vinny is down in, down in the valley. Like, he just got the Aquaman movie. And then there's a big, massive rolling blackout throughout California. And, like, Ari's agent is going around. And he's like, there's fucking blackouts, Vinny. We're not gonna fucking sell this movie. They think it's gonna be a flop. And <laughs> he shows up to the party where they're all at at the end, and he's like, "You guys ever heard of a hanging Chad?" And he looks around, and it's all like young millennials. He's like, "Where the fuck am I?" Uh, <laughs> he said the, the blackouts affected the reporting of the numbers. So I think this is what's going on, right? Like, so Trump has to by law wait 14 days from the date of the election to file a DOJ investigation. Which I bet when this episode comes out, uh, which is what, next Tuesday, right? Yep. I bet by then, I bet that day he files a fucking a formal investigation because that will then start the whole clusterfuck of everything. Uh, because basically it will 
tempt some of the states not to certify the results if there are like actual substantiated allegations of fraud. But if there is no proof, this thing should be wrapped up pretty quickly. I have you seen anything out there that would show you like there's some crazy fraud going on or whatever? Yeah, I've seen uh, House of Cards season five. Or, <laughs> Dude, I, I quit after season three. It was trash. No, bro. Season so no season five was the one where uh, Frank becomes a dictator, and this is exactly what it was. It was literally oh, like wait, he lost wait, the I election. Thought that, uh, I thought that she becomes the president. I think oh, that was season alert. six. That was season six. That's when I stopped watching. That then it was bullshit. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Yeah, no, that's All a, right, that, then maybe that's where I quit. Too. I, I think quit that after at the Frank. end of season four. The end of season four, they lost like the regular election. But by season five, they like created like a, there was like a they created a war, and then they were also like they um, the Clintons they, like, up like <laughs> it's like oh yeah well, no, we had to go back to the drawing board we got our uh, our Haiti charities in order and exactly uh, bro them. they they yeah. created a dictatorship they basically just took control of the guy that's basically what, Trump Trump basically takes notes from House of Cards season five bro he just watches it <laughs> and he's got a notebook out notebook and a pen <sighs> hey you know what's funny though is like. The dude did create Space Force, like right when he got into office. <laughs> I bet they're terrified if he loses. They're gonna like he's gonna be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The aliens are fucking real people. So um, <laughs> they're probably terrified about him actually not being in office anymore because he's like they're worried he's gonna release all of our secrets. I don't think he's gonna do that. If if, if he were if I were him, I'd be on a fucking one way flight to Moscow and play golf until twenty twenty four. Yeah, because uh it honestly guys like this is what i'm fucking terrified about is that and i see it from a mile away just how the media so quickly gave the election to biden um after a week of a lot of irregularities going on right where we're slowly counting in the votes and then oh magically we we're there uh but if there is like an actual if they fucking find something going on here and i think that over the next month, you're going to start getting a lot of affidavits, sworn statements, bunch of stuff, people in Arizona, Philadelphia. Um, what's the other state? Michigan, Detroit. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it's going to be very interesting. But honestly, I'm thinking that if they want a full civil war, they need to give us the dusty finish. Do you know what that is? Uh, impeachment? What is it? I don't know. The dusty. Oh, it's a wrestling term. Uh, did you ever watch WWF growing up? No, I don't know. I don't remember any of it, bro. Like, I don't remember. Oh, it might have been a little bit before your time. So, like, no, no, I it, well, kid, I just never, yeah, I just never watched Oh, you were cool. You were just too busy. I'm just, no, I guess I was a loser because everyone's seen it. <laughs> but me, apparently. Hey, but. you're a successful loser now, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, the joke's on them. But so I watched wrestling because I was a loser when I was a kid. And it was awesome. Like, is back when it was like Stone Cold and The Rock and Mankind and like the original. It wasn't the trash that it is today where it's just like blatant kayfabe. Like this is where I actually believed that when The Undertaker put Kane into a coffin and he let it on fire, I actually thought Kane died. Like that's, and I cried and like told my mom that I was really sad that one of my favorite wrestlers had just been killed by his other wrestler. <laughs> Who was his brother, by the way. Which, by the way, The Undertaker is from Houston. I should try to get him on the podcast. It'd be fucking incredible. Uh, anyway so basically i'm seeing the dusty finish right which is a move that was invented in wrestling wherein uh there is an apparent winner and then all of a sudden because the ref gets fucked with the 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 other wrestler wins on a technicality and it makes the crowd go absolutely fucking insane 
because they've seen that it's clearly been cheated. <laughs> and so what I'm seeing set up for the country is everyone is now assuming, oh, thank God, Biden is fucking elected. It's going to be a peaceful transition. We're finally going to have some normalcy. Trump is going to have to leave. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 my friends, Biden hasn't won shit, y'all. Um, not officially yet. So, like, if the Supreme Court is Trump's Trump card, oh, fuck, dude. Everyone that was out in the streets celebrating, uh, um, you know, Biden's win and fucking all the hippies are, are crying and, and just celebrating. I don't want to be in their houses when they read the headline that the Supreme Court just fucking gave the election to Trump because I truly think that's what's going to happen. Uh, and people's minds aren't prepared for that. Uh, and I think that that's just going to be a fucking terrible situation for everyone because it's going to be a bunch of agent provocateurs and a lot of angry people going to the streets if that happens. And like, what do you mean that. the Supreme Court's going to fucking pick Trump, bro? I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, man. If, if, if Trump, Trump is golfing, right, on election day, which tells me two things. Number one, he knew this was going to happen. Or number two, he, he has planned for this. If he was a smart fucking dude, if he was actually smart, he has spent the last six months setting up honeypots to trap people that are participating in election fraud. And then once they have them caught red-handed, he'll release the evidence in like a month and the media won't touch it. And the media won't even pretend or give him an ounce of credibility about anything that he says. But they're going to have to cover it because all the GOP hasn't endorsed Biden. I mean, there's a couple of defactors, but you guys fucking get it. You better get ready, election law experts. Uh, <laughs> Y'all all be bona fide election law experts by the end of the year. Guaranteed. Um, please go to our website, txlawdog.com, uh, or email us. We finally have an email. Thank you, Akash. You finally <laughs> set it up. Thank you, my brother. We have an awesome little landing page, txlawdog.com. You can email us, hello, H-E-L-L-O, at txlawdog.com. Follow us on Instagram, at txlawdog. Um, okay. So that was my kind of my election prediction, uh, which nobody wants to hear, by the way, I think that it, honestly, even like I've talked to some like conservatives and they're just like, fuck dude, I hope that this shit just blows over because I mean, if we, if we have that scenario in the middle of COVID shutdown, I mean, we're talking about just pandemonium, uh, in, in the, in late December, right? Because the States have until, December 15th to certify uh, the election results. And so if, if there's allegations of fraud in the states, and you guys got to remember this, is that the Republicans had a big fucking victory in the fact that they, they control the majority of the state's legislatures. But yeah. January 6, 2021, the House and Senate hold a joint session to count the electoral votes. If one ticket has received 270 or more electoral votes, the president of the Senate, currently Mike Pence announces the results. The members of the Congress may object to returns from any state as they are announced. Objections must be made in writing by at least one member of the House and one in the Senate. If the objection meets certain requirements, each chamber meets separately to debate the objection for a maximum of two hours. Uh, afterward, each chamber votes to accept or reject the objection. Back in joint session, the results of the respective votes are announced. Any objection to a state's electoral vote has to be approved by both houses in order for any contested votes to be excluded. If neither presidential candidate wins at least 270 electoral votes, the House decides the election based on the 12th Amendment, not the 25th, sorry. 
of the Constitution. If required, the House would elect the president through a majority vote. And currently the House uh, is run by the Democrats. So that would put them in charge, I think. So I don't know, man. It's going to be fucking nuts. We could have Nancy Pelosi as president on January 20th. That'd be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, all the Trump people would totally accept that and never, they'll just quietly go into the night. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna vaccinate them anyway. We finally have fucking scientists on our uh, COVID task force, which is uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny, bro. Because things that are like bare minimum standards under a regular presidency, it's like Biden is getting uh, appreciation. We have <laughs> well, that's the whole thing our- about this COVID thing is like, dude, it was tough for me because I knew it was gonna be a hit on business, right? Like, I didn't get a single fucking phone call in April or May. Like I, I'll be honest with people. Like I had to file for unemployment just to survive. And I used all that money to do this uh, and double down on myself. A lot of people bought TVs and shit. I fucking reinvested into myself because that's like, I hate, I never, ever once ever took unemployment in my entire life. And like, but I was so dire. I couldn't even pay my fucking personal rent. I had to just put everything into funding the business. Right. So like, I had never in seven years of doing this had to be in that position before. So COVID has turned my fucking life upside down, as y'all can tell by how I've talked about how it's affected juries and everything like that. But <clears throat> I understand that this shit happens. Like we're going to have issues that we deal with. And the problem that, that I had in March was that I, I was terrified knowing how it was just going to be a divisive issue. I could see all of the different topics stacking up for people to just pick a side on and that i mean it's really made me sad because this thing has um made people's minds uh scared and i think that if we don't figure out some sort of congruent plan because like you said like when it hit trump just left it up to the states i think if hillary was like i think she was supposed to win like I said, and in the second episode, I think if she was in charge, this shit would have already been planned for. All right, everybody. Welcome on our first guest to the Texas Law Dog podcast. This guy's name is Mark Thiessen. He is the top DWI lawyer in Texas, in my opinion. Uh, He is triple board certified. I believe the only attorney in the country that is board certified by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization, the American Chemical Society of Chemistry and Laws, Forensic Lawyer Scientist designation, which is the highest form of scientific recognition available for lawyers. Six-time Texas super lawyer, the youngest uh, Texas criminal super lawyer, I believe in 2013. He is board certified also in DWI defense by the National College for DUI defense. I call him Mr. Not Guilty. He is the uh, guy you call if you get a boo-boo and you drive drunk in Texas. Uh, Please welcome on Mark (laughs) Thiessen. Thanks for joining, brother. (laughs) Was that a pretty good introduction? Yeah, that's solid. That's good. Okay. And don't worry. All right, dude. First, first question. Um, are you tired of dealing with drunk people all day? No. I mean, <laughs> you mean, you mean 
professionally speaking. Not just yes, professionally, are you tired of dealing with drugs? <laughs> when I leave the office, I go hang out with them at the bar. Like my <laughs> the degenerate himself, I see. All right. You know, honestly, in all, in all seriousness, no, because honestly, like people that get a DWI, like good people. They're cool people. I hang out with like people like myself. I mean, I may have got arrested myself for DWI if it wasn't expunged. I could talk about it. You may have hired, you may have represented the law dog. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they have like, uh, so yeah, I trust this guy with my life. Um, I think that how over under 15 lawyers have you represented over or under? I mean, like you're just talking, I think over 50 lawyers, but as you're talking criminal lawyers under, but it's, it's getting up there. It's getting close, but definitely over lawyers, over 50 lawyers, but just under 50 criminal lawyers. Oh, wow. Okay. So Mark's good enough here that he, he gets all the professionals and he's getting all the good cases with everyone that has money. All right. This is the guy you hire. And the cop. I think that's my best compliment when the cops call me or like I have actually had DWI task force family members come hire me. And so when the DWI task force tells their family to come hire you, I think that's the best compliment. Yeah. That's pretty much an indication of who you need to hire when you get a DWI if you're the cop. <laughs> Um, I was going to do that slogan, the lawyer that cops hire when they get arrested. I mean, honestly, how could you, uh, what better way to market yourself? <laughs> uh, okay, so tell us a little bit, you're the president of the Harris County Criminal Lawyers Association currently, right? Currently, and what a year it's been, just a great year. Are you glad you signed up for this year? <laughs> Like seriously, after this, I was like, I'm never running for president of any other organization. It's, it is a thankless job. It is a complete lunacy all day. You're not ready to be a politician? Fuck no, man. Like, absolutely not. I got so many skeletons. Never. My political career was shot at the age Too much money to be made, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, def I'd definitely be corrupt. Yeah, dude. And look, and that, at least we're honest about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I always tell my wife, I was like, she's like, you'd be the worst politician. I was like, right? Because I would tell everybody all the secrets. I'd be like, there are aliens out there. We're doing this with Russia. Like, I would run on the truth platform. I would tell you everything. Hey, look, that's why I started this thing. It's just to do it as a bit, but maybe people will find some truth in it. Um, I definitely, I think for us, I, I'm also doing it as a resource for our fellow criminal lawyers because I kind of take people into how I try cases and be unconventional. Like last episode, I went over how I use memes to pick a jury. Um, <laughs> can you comment kind of like on your maybe like, so that people want to know, like you're the top dog. How do you pick a jury? Like what's your strategy going into the DWI case? I would tell you, so I've been to uh, TCDLA, Texas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, has a trial college in Huntsville that's a week long. And I mean, that kind of, that every criminal lawyer, every trial lawyer should go to. It starts from board dire to closing. But honestly, the difference between the NBA and the NCAA is the Jerry Spence trial college, right? Trial mm -hmm. Lawyers College is, that is where you get pro level. That is not where you manipulate emotions. That's where you can elicit emotions. Because I mean, if you think about if the, I always tell my clients, I go, if the facts are on our side, if we should win this case, the DA is going to dismiss it, right? Like the cases that I go into trial, the DA thinks are whales. They're like, dude, we're going to crush them. We're going to be it. So I'm, I'm up again. Like the facts are not on my side, but what do I have? Like I have a personality. 
I have a way <laughs> to elicit emotion and reaction and empower a jury. You know, when you start messing with emotions or being able to elicit emotions and understand people and crawl inside somebody else's skin and see the world through their eyes, that's powerful stuff. So that is my trial strategy, my trial technique. It's just honestly being human, you know, not being a freaking robot being like, these are the facts, convict them. And I'm like, who cares about the facts, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like, I, I've touched on that in previous episodes where I've kind of gone into, like, how we kind of need to be more actors than lawyers because we have to be relatable. We have to be uh, able to put random people that come from all different variations of backgrounds and, and religious backgrounds and different races into our client's shoes, right? And so, like, I kind of think that it's just a way to go about, it's like, so as far as tell people about how, like, you found and what specifically you've kind of found works uh, that our colleagues not, aren't necessarily using. So, uh, and that's why people are like, Eason, you're giving out all your trial secrets, because I speak all over the nation, right? And so they're like, I can't believe you're giving out all your secrets, like, how you do this. And, and I'm like, dude, I can teach you how to sell ice to an Eskimo, but I can't teach you how how to actually sell it to somebody, how to get them to trust. And I was like, I think I've been going to bars since I was 18, you know, and I'm 42 now. So that's 24 years of going to bars. I can get myself into trouble. I can get myself out of trouble. I can talk to the CEO and I talk to the bus boy the same. Like I can't teach you communication skills. The only way you can do that is honestly going out and practicing it in the real world. You got to go out and like talk to people at bars, talk to, I, I know every single guy at the gym where I go, like Jose is behind the counter. Joe is in the locker room. I'm talking to all these guys. I know the tennis pros. I know the CEO. And I talk to them all the same. And so I really, I think that's what you got to, that's where we are. And that's how you train people. It's like how to be a, how to just be a good person and a good human. And my wife says I'm oddly charismatic. She's like, people want to hate you, Mark. Like you look like a douche. And I was like, I know, I know. And she's like, and afterwards you just come off as like this dorky kind of, and I go, dude, I like, I'm still, fighting jujitsu and I, I, you know, like I do all this crazy stuff, but deep down I'm still Anthony Michael Hall, like in 16 candles. I still look at myself as like this little nerdy kid walking around and I'm half Canadian. I don't realize that there are social cliques. Like in high school, I didn't realize there were people you couldn't talk to. I was literally, I'm half Canadian. Like I don't, I'm just kind of naive and I talk to everybody. Dude, so you're, you're cut from a different cloth. I think that that's a good, that's a good point for like, commonalities in good trial lawyers is that they don't really fit a mold, right? Like they, like we have to be kind of an enigma. We have to fit the facts of our cases. So we have to mold who we are based on what we need a jury to believe. And yeah. so I think that that's funny and interesting that you say that you're like, because I've talked about how like I, I try to be real with people like self-depreciating, right? For instance, like that's a big helpful factor, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, you got to own, like, I own my douche, or, you know, like, you got to... <laughs> we both have very punchable faces, and I think that somehow that makes you a better trial lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, just be real and leave all that ego and stuff at the door and just be like, I'm, I'm sorry. And like, yeah, when somebody in board dire is like, I lost somebody, I lost my best friend to a DWI, you don't just go, holy shit, I can't believe you said that. I want the rest of the jury to, I'm going to move on real quick. No, you stop and you go, I'm so sorry. And you make eye contact and you, the whole world doesn't cease to exist. And you, you, you talk to that person for 30 seconds. You go, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know that we're in a misdemeanor court. This didn't happen here. You know, and I, I, I can't imagine that you'd ever forget that. Again, 
you know, and I used to tell people, I'm like, I don't represent those kind of cases, you know, and I would just make eye contact. I'm like, is there any way that you can forget that in a case like this? I know I couldn't. And they're like, you're right, I can't. And you're like, thank you for that gift. You just struck yourself for cause, but at least that landmine that I was so scared of that was going to poison the rest of the jury. And then you're like, who else has had an experience like that? And now they, they feel comfortable talking to you and just be human and be like, have the empathy for people, you know? Would you say that cases are won or lost in jury selection? 100%. 100%. And that's honestly like my wife will tell you, she's like, you're, you're amazing in jury selection. Cause I like talking to people. I walk up and down the aisles. I like talking to people. You know, I go, the, the DAs are stuck at their podium or something or never even, I will walk right through that door, you know, in like Williamson County, Lubbock, they had doors. I'm like, I'm in the pews with people, you know, like you got to walk down and talk to people and just be real. But how do you practice connecting to other human beings? You have to immerse yourself in kind of weird situations. Go travel abroad, start talking to people, you know, go live by yourself in a, in a foreign land or something, you know, and you got to make friends and get your, <laughs> Dude, that's what I was telling other people. Like on a, on a past episode, I was telling people like it's 2020, but it's kind of psychotic. But when I take my dogs for a walk, I try and have a conversation with someone I don't know because I, every person I meet is a potential juror. So you have to know what's kind of going out on the ground. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hey, what are your political beliefs? <laughs> <laughs> don't talk politics yeah what are your vaccination opinions <laughs> okay i want to switch gears a little bit here uh i'm going to share my screen here briefly i want to talk because you can you can speak on this but we've got a situation now with this covid19 pandemic right and currently i'm sharing a screen where i'm it's a news article from the houston chronicle it came out on november 9th and it says Texas prisons, jails, worst COVID-19 hotspots of any in the U.S. And according to a recent study done that you just sent to me, and we're going to include that in the show notes, uh, by the Lyndon B. Johnson School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas, uh, it found that Texas inmates and staff tested positive for the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 at 490% higher rate than the state's general population. And also nine Texas inmates approved for parole died in prison before their release. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible, you know? And it's like, how do you, but it's its own world. Like everybody always said, I want to get transferred to this unit or that unit. Like the sheriff's department owns their own world in there and they regulate how they control and shift everybody around. And I mean, we're in the midst of a deadly pandemic, but I don't know the answer. It's, it's horrible. It's like, I don't know how, because we're already overcrowded. It's not like they have room to, to move people and, you know, shift them and, and sanitize. But at the same time, I don't know what the alternative is. If they are, like, I mean, if they're in there for fucking, pardon me, if they're in there for, like, weeds or right. something, you know, who cares? Like, get them out of jail, you know? But if they're, if it's, like, a nonviolent uh, offense, I'm like, dude, come back and do your time some other time. Or give them, like, you know, five for one. We're already doing three for one. Would it really kill them to give five for one, but I mean, you do have some bad people in there that we can't let out. So I don't know what to do. You know? I mean, isn't there still a guy in there? Isn't there still a guy in Harris County awaiting trial on a capital murder from 2011? I'd be lying to you, but I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know. I mean, that's absurd. Nine years waiting for trial. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like I talked about in my previous episode about how one of the judges, one of the district court judges that I had a trial on was about to make me go. And I was explaining to them about how the, the NRG, 
like jury selection system is set up. And so could you kind of go into like how this isn't normal for us lawyers and like how, you know, we're kind of concerned about going to trial right now? So I've toured the facility. And if you're familiar with, uh, remember the ash, are you from Houston, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. Sugarland. Okay. So back in the day, remember when we had Ashworld that you'd walk across the bridge of uh, 610, you'd go to Ashworld? Well, Grease lightning, baby. That was the best roller coaster on the planet. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I think I smoked my first cigarette at Ashworld. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> so right across from where that bridge used to be, there used to be this, well, there is this hall, and that's where the livestock show and rodeo used to be. And so you can still walk in. And so that's where NRG, it's not like, it's not the uh, the field or the nice the nice uh, hall where you know the livestock show and rodeo is right now. This this is like the 1980s and 90s hall, but it's still you can still get that whiff of manure in there. You get that astronomes like musk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you walk in there, so you drive into the to the astronome parking lot off Kirby. They ask you these questions, scan your head with a thermometer. And then if you pass this, they let you in. And then you go- Is this by, by you, you mean the potential jurors, right? All potential jurors and the attorney. So, so anyone coming to jury service has already, like, this is what the, the scenario they're driving into. Yeah, you're gonna drive in and be like, nah, I haven't traveled abroad, I feel fine. As long as you have a temperature, which a lot of people are asymptomatic that have COVID, right? And then- Wait, COVID dude, does having a temperature imply that you have COVID? Why are they doing temperature checks? <laughs> I don't know. It just makes some, I mean, why do they do it in the middle of the, in front of the courthouse? It just makes them feel good. But I'm like, you know how many people have COVID and are asymptomatic that don't have a temperature? So you go in, you park and you come in this hall and it is, I mean, it's smooth concrete ceilings are about 60 feet tall. And you have this massive hall that is separated by just like paper dividers. So it's three rooms and then you have this big show arena, right? So if you're in one of the three rooms, it's just concrete, uh, paper or cloth uh, divider wall that doesn't go all the way up to the ceiling. And there's no television or prompters or screen. You got to bring your own screen, uh, microphone. Everybody's sitting in chairs with face shields and a mask on. And it's up to the judge to say, hey, you want to take that down. So people are fogging up on the screen. You know, have masks over. You can't. They're six feet apart. So if you have a... Uh, misdemeanor jury which like you know 34 people it's massive it's you can't hear or see their poles in there you can you can hear other people picking board air because there's no fucking sound buffer and then imagine if you have a felony with like 65 70 jurors it's a massive area you've got to cover i can't even walk all that way let alone i think you know what i'm going to do i'm going to have to get one of those joel osteen mics and tape it you know i'm going to mic you up man absolutely we're just going to make you like a mega pastor and that's how you're going to try cases from now on that's exactly what it is right <laughs> that bald-headed dude from the woodlands terry something you know like you're going to be so wait are you going to invest in some professional sound equipment then for trial is this what we're going to have to do i mean i'm owning my douche i absolutely will <laughs> amen Okay, so let me ask you this. I mean, you're one of the top lawyers in Texas. Are, are, are you comfortable going to trial right now? For your client's sake. I know you are, maybe personally, but as far as how your clients, there's Sixth Amendment, Eighth Amendment issues, there's a lot of different stuff going on. So I, I'm at, like, not lawyers, at, you know? Not on anything serious. Not on my okay. TikTok, man. It's not on my aggravate. Not on any of my felonies. It's just too much on the line. When you can go to prison if we lose. And I miss your smirk. I miss the way I can't see somebody. I can't afford somebody to go to prison. Now, 
will I go, like, do I personally, uh, would I personally go? Yeah, I'm not worried about COVID. Like I've been out at the Renaissance Fair and I had a, we went to a Halloween party. I've been COVID free for, I'm, my office has been open every single day. I've been COVID free the entire time, you know? So personally, I feel comfortable. I'm also young and healthy, but for my clients, nobody in felony land, do I want to go to trial? And then in the misdemeanors, I'm like, I'm looking at demographics. These are, it's more like Conroe than it used to be like Houston. It's a huge white, uh, it's more than half white now, which it never used to be like that in Houston. And so- I'm, Are you talking about the jury pool, like the potential jury pools? Demographics, yeah, I've actually- Oh, so what you're saying is that like, we have a lot more white people showing up than, and there's like not as many minorities and, and things showing up right now? Exactly. And so if you've ever been to trial in Montgomery County, there's not. There's well, no, generally it's hard. Uh, it's hard to win up there. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, that's what, I mean, that's who kind of is really showing up now. And you're like, this is a whole different demographic and I have minority clients. Do they want to be, is that really a jury of their peers, you know? Right. And that's like, I talked about. And so I think I'm glad you said that because I had a case set for trial last week and it was a, uh, he's facing 25 to life and I, the judge was going to make me go in those conditions. And I was like, absolutely not. And so I had text, did I text you? And I was like, Hey, I might have to handcuff myself to my client outside of a bench. <laughs> yeah. No, you, and I think when you're 25 to life, like you're not screwing around. And honestly, there are yeah. people in custody that want to get out. that want to go to trial. You have enough lawyers that are willing to go to trial. Like I'm willing to go to trial, go, I'll go screw around on some of my misdemeanors. You know, I had one client that was in custody, scared to death of COVID. It was an intox assault where he, somebody pulled out in front of him and he had to swerve to miss this car and hit somebody head on. I was like, dude, I'm going to win this case. I'm going to win this case. And I was like, I was pushing it to go to trial. I wanted to go to trial. I didn't give a damn. And then the eve before trial, they gave me uh, two or three years, which he already had two in. And so it was time served. And I tell the client, he's like, so I can get out right now. I go, yeah, but you're going to be guilty of intox assault. He's like, I don't give a shit. I got the time. I'm out of here. Was he already convicted felon? Uh, yes. <laughs> Makes it a little easier then, doesn't it? Uh... Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh man, that's so. Dude, this is really good information. Uh, I wanted to end the interview though on um, like a funny lighter note. I, I so give me give me your funniest fact scenario that you've come across so far. You probably how many cases have you gotten not guilties on? Does it happen? Uh, I'm up to 109 not guilties now. Mr. Not Guilty himself, 109. That is about 106. More than me. <laughs> Everything from class B to first degree. You know, my biggest one was uh, quadruple intox manslaughter with an intox assault. So there were four dead bodies, and the lady who survived broke her neck. And one of the decedents was actually a Buddhist minister, and the jury came. And so they had lesser includes of DWI with the intox man and the intox assault. And the jury came back and read 10 times not guilty. So, but I still only count that as one. Yeah, that one, that one was the biggest one. Was that your Galveston County case? Was that down in Galveston? No, that, that was in Harris County. Harris County, okay. Like, I have the funniest story, because my wife just asked me this down the hall. It's not a DWI. Can I show you that story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the funniest. So I had a client that had a thing for, um, as it, it was a Craigslist ad, who wants to come suck on my wife's milky titties? And he's like, I love milky titties. So he answered the Craigslist ad at like fucking noon. And I was like, why are you going at noon to a hotel? We goes to like the Hyatt downtown and everything. And I can hear this thing tape and the male cops in there, the female cops in there and he's in there. 
And he's like, he's like, yeah, I brought the money to, to split the room with y'all. And you hear the mail cop goes, you're going to fuck him for $40. And she goes, yeah. And you hear my client go, whatever. Right. So they arrest my client for prostitution. And I'm like, wait, based on the word, whatever <laughs> I go. Yeah. And I was like, my guy never agreed to the sex. She agreed to fuck it. And they're like, what are you talking about? I go, first of all, my client only has a fetish for milky titties. The woman liked being treated like a prostitute and the man was a cuckold. And they're like, what the fuck did you just say to me, Thiessen? And I was like, and the DA's like, what? I go, dude, we're going to trial. My guy, this isn't prostitution. My guy just likes milky titties. And they had no, and they go, Google all these fetishes. And they're like, I can't Google this on my government machine. So we get, and I had to go through like Chief Nathan Beadle and everything. And he's like, what are you telling me, Thiessen? And I was like, yeah. And finally they dismissed me. And my client's like, we're not going to trial. I'm not getting all this out there. And I was like, yes, we are. And because uh, he was kind of a big guy and so. It got dismissed. That was definitely one of my. Uh, there was a dismissed day of trial, though. Uh, they, when I was trying to get it set for trial, they're like, "Fine, we'll fuck." <laughs> so yeah, dude, this is interesting. It's a good point because when Mark goes and tells a judge he's going to set a case for trial, it's not the same as when I tell him he's going to set a case for trial because that's when the DAs are like, "Fuck, we actually need to dismiss this, or are we going to get some chum to get some practice against the best." Uh, the last time I tried to set a trial, I was, they're like, when do you want the trial? It's like 14 days. Shit, I will do it tomorrow. They're like, well, we need to notice our, our witnesses. I go, I waive all notice. I want to go to trial tomorrow. I'm ready right now. And they're like, peace. And I was like, fine, 14 days. Give me your notice. Let's go. They're like, Ugh. This is, why, this is why people hire you, okay? This is a guy, you can't be scared to fucking put their feet to the fire. That's literally what the good criminal lawyers do. I love going to trial. And that's the thing. And I think that that's what people will resonate with. Like, and, um, you know, as far as our profession, people kind of see the wrong side of it through television and Netflix and fucking, you know, 60 minutes and true crime stuff. But really like, this is a good example is this guy is one of the top lawyers in the state. He's telling you guys legitimately, this is how it fucking is going down. I think it's incredible insight into the system, man. I really appreciate having you on today. You, uh, I think your message is going to resonate with the people and hopefully, hopefully we can get a fucking coherent plan down for COVID-19 because like I, I was talking about, there's a ton of backlog. I don't know how we're going to catch up if we can't get back to normal. That's an interest. So I'm in all because of president of HCCLA, we had a meeting that if we stopped accepting cases right now, there are 44,000 criminal cases, right? If we stopped accepting cases right now, it would take a year and a half for the DAs to get through all of these cases. So how are we going to catch up? And that's what we're talking about. How do you relieve the backlog? I go, I can't convince my clients to take shitty deals, especially with bail reform. They're all walking around free. I go, they're not taking these shitty deals. DA, you have got to make better offers. You've got to get PTI on more felonies. You've got to make better offers because otherwise we're just going to clog the, clog the dockets. It's a huge backlog. You have no idea. I mean, it's, it's enormous. Man, okay. Asking, we need more DAs. We need more funding. And we're like, no, you need better deals. Or you, like, select which laws you prosecute like, wisely. You know, I think that there's so much unnecessary shit that's charged on these days. Like I was going over an article the other day about domestic abuse. Uh, Houston just got a ton of aid um, from the federal COVID-19 relief dollars. And so have you heard about the uh, response, the crisis intervention response teams, like that pilot program? I have. Yeah, but I haven't read it yet. I actually printed that out. Okay, so there was a, uh, an article in the Chronicle this week, and it was basically saying that when they send, um, so HPD has the ability on a domestic violence call to 
call for one of these crisis intervention response teams uh, members, which is generally a licensed sociologist or psychologist who's going to arrive on scene after the police officer to help defuse the situation. So when we talk about police reform and stuff like that, I think that that is the stuff that we should be looking into because they made a very interesting uh, data point here, which was that HPD reported 40,884 domestic violence calls in 2019. And the crisis prevention, the crisis response team only responded to 5,500 of those, so about 13%. And of those 13% of the cases they responded to, only 4% of the calls handled by those teams led to incarceration. Right. Because that brings an interesting point. Like, I am not for spousal abuse or assault family violence. I'll beat your ass for hitting a woman. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's an important distinction to make, I think. But, yeah. Right. Every single assault family, 99% of every, 99% of my assault family violence cases, the victim recants says, no, it didn't happen. I don't want to be prosecuted. And, and what happens? I go tell the DAs and then it goes to a special division and it takes longer than a DWI. And it's like, it's just as contentious. And they're like, no, we're not giving up. And I go, dude, she doesn't want to prosecute anymore. They've made up, they were drunk, you know, all this stuff. And they're, they're just hardcore. And I'm like, no, get them in counseling. Find a way to, you know, get them to a social worker, get them in counseling and dismiss this stuff. Stop wasting our time. Yeah, because I mean, I think that people like, I think that's what's worth looking at as far as the entire war on drugs issue, like, is sending these people to jail for addiction issues really going to be the, the, the solution here? Because like, I don't think that it's going to actually help. Like, because you see recidivism every time once they get out and they get access back to drugs. Oh, yeah. You and I could talk for hours about all kinds of stuff. You know that. <laughs> oh, man, absolutely. Hey, man, thanks for having, Thanks for coming on. Uh, you guys can check out Mark's website, thetexastrialattorney.com. He is uh, everywhere. Type in his name, Mark Thiessen. That's T-H-I-E-S-S-E-N. Oh, by the way, your, your name is misspelled on your biography on your website, by the way. <laughs> I'll check that out. I bet people don't care either. Um, <laughs> and uh, his Instagram is Decent Law Firm. And uh, please follow him. And uh, if you get in trouble in Texas, give him a call because he's the guy you want. Uh, he's the guy going to set your case for trial with no notice. He's ready to walk in tomorrow and try your case if you get arrested. So, Mark, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon, man. I really do. Thank you. Shifting gears for a minute, I wanted to talk to y'all about um, a little, a little maybe motivation for you guys. Uh, let's call it the Law Dog Motivational uh, Minute. And um, basically, I, I did this. I did this uh, podcast because I knew I could be good at it, and. When I met Akash and he had the idea to do this, I kind of, I was like, wow, this completely gels with kind of what I wanted to do um, as far as how I approached marketing in the new age. And so I understand the necessity of doing stuff like this before my competition. And that's why I'm doing it now, because my goal in doing all of this is to be a help to other people. Uh, and that's, I kind of wanted to tell people like about the law dog, right? I kind of just jumped into it, but you guys don't really know the law dog story. The law dog is a 
fucking multifaceted, crazy character. Uh, and it's funny. I was talking to my, to my dad <laughs> and my mom yesterday and they were like, we've got, uh, I was like, did you, did you watch the first episode or listen to the podcast? Mm-hmm. My dad's like, what do you mean? Like, we thought that you have to sit down and watch it. <laughs> They're under the impression that you don't just listen to podcasts on the go, but you actually sit down and you fucking listen to it at one setting, like an old school radio show. And uh, it was hilarious when they said that because my dad's like, I don't want you, I don't want you talking about me. And I don't want you, I, you know, I got a, I got a reputation and, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know about this. And I'm like, dad, relax, dude. And then I proceeded to tell him how I like cranked out. I mean, I've spent tons of time figuring out how I was going to do this, right? Because the reason it's the Texas law dog is because that's its own entity. I'm no man. I'm no woman. I'm a fucking business man. And basically (laughs) what that means is I formed this as its own entity because unfortunately it appears that the only way to say anything truthful anymore is through comedy. So I needed to do it in a way that I could make people laugh and also uh, maybe give them like some questions of their own. And so that's why I did it this way. And that way it's going to be a lot more fun and gives me a lot more opportunity to kind of be myself than just doing it as uh, who I am as a lawyer. Right. And so like, you'll never, anyone who wants to figure out who I am can find out I'm not fucking PFT commoner, right? Like you can figure out who and where I came from if you do enough digging. So, but the reason that I'm doing this as, as the law dog is because the law dog is not just one man. He's an idea. And that idea is to take risks on yourself. Um, and, and what I'm doing here is I'll tell you guys a story, right? About how, you believe in yourself. I mean, I mentioned on my election day episode, like I am a drug addict. I, I go to AA and this is another huge thing during COVID that, and most people can't talk about this because it's, it's anonymous, but I am choosing to share my story. I haven't been able to hit an AA meeting since March. Think about how hard that has to be uh, for someone that luck. I mean, I luckily I have a really good support system and handle on my issues, but uh, a lot of people don't. And so for all of you out there who think that, that all this distancing and, and never, you know, interacting communities and shit ever again is going to be the answer. Like it's killing my fellow brothers and sisters in AA not to be able to meet in person. And so that is something that needs to be said, uh, in that it's affecting all of us differently. Okay. Uh, because, it's forced me to really, really focus on what's important in life just to keep me from drinking. Because I mean, anybody who was struggling before the pandemic, like if you were over leveraged or whatever, and you fucking lost your job and you're, you're over your head now, like I would be driven to drink in that scenario. So if you're dealing with that, email us, hello at txlawdog.com. I will talk to you. Like somebody is there for you. I will be the person. But truly, guys, I, I, I want to implore all of you um, to join the Law Dog on this fucking journey. Because about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was sitting around <clears throat> feeling sorry for myself. And, and I, I, uh, 
I kind of had a spiritual reformation six months ago, but like I also had kind of a bigger one in 2010. I, I discovered a band. Uh, music is a huge part of my life and everything um, growing up, you know, I just, I loved listening to all different kinds of music. I grew up on, you know, nineties, um, Texas country, Garth, you know, and, and like Garth Brooks, Waylon Jennings and, Fucking, uh, my mom loved Marshall Tucker Band and Crosby, Stills and Nash. My dad was a huge Van Halen fan, so like I got a mix of everything growing up uh, while they spun their vinyl and stuff. So when I when I heard this band, it was a band called My Morning Jacket, uh, which is a band out of Louisville, Kentucky, at ACL Fest in 2011. That fucking concert changed my life. It gave me a new perspective, and um, they literally became kind of my favorite band overnight. So over the last 10 years, I've kind of follow them around. I've been to like 35 or 40 shows now and all over the country and all over the world. Uh, but basically it inspired me to want to get into the music business uh, is the more or less short version of that. In that about August of last year, I'm sitting around and my one of my favorite artists, uh, who's an up and coming guy, <clears throat> is the name of a, the, ba the name of the band was called the Artisanals and the lead singer is a guy named Johnny Delaware. I, I had found these guys, the first show, one of the first tours they ever played was like three years ago. And they opened for another band out of Athens called Future Birds. Incredible band. Check them out. Uh, basically, they, I fell in love with their music. They didn't even have an EP out. Like when I saw them for the first time, they had no merch to sell. Like it was just him. <laughs> so like over the next three years, I went to every single show that they played in Texas, whether it be Austin, Dallas, or Houston, I would drive to it. And every time I would make it a point to say hi to him after the show and thank him for coming. So I decided, you know what, fucking law dog, you're going to get in the music business because I'm a multifaceted motherfucker. All right. I'm not just a lawyer. I'm a motherfucking enigma. All right. I fucking create things and I want to inspire joy and happiness in other people. What better way to do that than giving people music? And so I had an idea. I was like, I'm going to fucking just, I'm going to, I'm going to try something here. Last August, he plays a show in Houston. I shoot him a DM to their band page. And I was like, what, you know, Hey, super happy y'all are coming. I'd love to buy you guys dinner afterwards. He didn't respond. So I just went to the show and he sees me afterwards and he's like, dude, J law, what's going on, man. Good to see you. Uh, and we just, we sat down and I was like, Johnny, I, have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I'm a fan. I'm going to get in the music business and I'm going to make you famous. And he goes, well, <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> and he's eating there. He's sitting there and I'm harassing him as he's eating his chicken salad. He just played an incredible set. And, uh, and I'm like, we're just starting getting to talking. And eventually like at the end of that conversation at 30 minutes, I was like, dude, let's just hit me up. Here's my number. And so over the next six months, he would call me as he was touring or driving all over the country or whatever. And he would be like, he would be like, Hey, law dog, what are you, uh, what's going on? You know? And so I fucking made friends with a rock star and like meeting someone who is a rock star. I got, you guys like got to understand that artists aren't like us. They don't think like us. Their minds operate in such a beautifully different way that I saw something in him wherein I knew he was going to be the next fucking talent. And I was not going to let him fucking walk away without me getting involved. Like at that point, 
it was serendipitous. And I was like, Johnny, he, he sits to me at the dinner and he's like, dude, I, I got all this shit. I need to get out. Um, he was just about to go to Paris to meet his girlfriend. He gets there and she breaks up with him like when he gets there and he has nowhere to go. And so he fucking fucking takes a bus to Amsterdam and stays with the only person in the UK that he knows for a week until his return flight in Europe. And then he came back and he wrote this album and I fucking own it. <laughs> and we're going to release it in March. And I'm going to use the fucking law dog to get this motherfucker signed. All right. And uh, because this is some good shit and it's some of the best music I've ever heard. And uh, as we, we, our producer, Wolfgang Zimmerman, he's produced uh, a couple of songs for a band called Band of Horses, which is a really successful indie rock band. Um, he's the next big fucking producer. And there's this incredible talent group out of Charleston, South Carolina, uh, wherein it's like the most untapped gold mine of musical talent I, have, I know about. Like, like Johnny's there. There's a band called Susto. Uh, D Money, the Carolina boss. I fucking love you. If you listen to this, um, I told you, dude, I'm gonna see you on the what stage of Bonnery one day, and I'm gonna help you get you there. I'm gonna fucking do it, man. Like Crab Claw, Hermit's Victory, fucking She Returns from War, the Artisanals. There's so many good bands, and I saw how they weren't getting pressed or played. Like they've got all of the good music that's there. They just need an opportunity to get heard. And so I was like, fuck, man. Like I can see my skill set and how I can use my negotiation and mediation skills in the music industry, which obviously is a different line of work than what I normally do. Because in the music industry, it's all context-based and you gotta be super chill, uh, which I am not. And so like, I, the way I go about stuff is not like I do it you know, as a lawyer uh, in the music side. But basically, yeah, man, I'm fucking pumped because I called up my best friend and I was like, yo, I don't have enough money to give this guy what he needs for a record. And he's like, dude, let's fucking do it. So that's what you need to guys. Like, if you guys have an idea, if you guys have a fucking dream, it is achievable. Okay. Like that is my point is that you can be a multifaceted individual who strives for success, no matter what you can look for ways to succeed and build up income sources for yourself that aren't your traditional job like it's it's 2020 it's the coronavirus pandemic it's time to get fucking crafty y'all like i i went up to charleston and i i watched wolf and johnny record for a weekend and like honestly that seeing how the sausage gets made uh and seeing how artists have to struggle artists that haven't made it people don't understand this like you live like a fucking poor peasant for years while you build your, 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 your career in the music industry. If you're not just Billie Eilish and have incredible talent and the right connections. Right. So for anyone that's not uh, a label prepackaged product uh, you know, you've got to fucking earn it. And so this guy has been sleeping on couches for five years just just to to tour to make enough money like one time he told me when they came to houston i bought every single thing that they offered and he's like dude you buying that merch was the only thing that kept us on the road for the rest of the tour like that we didn't have enough money to pay for gas we didn't have enough money for an airbnb so like it's important to support local 
uh, good artists. And so like, I saw that and I was like, fuck man, I could be a cause for good in this. And so, and then in a future episode, I'm going to get my buddy on here who, who did this project with me. I'm going to fucking have Johnny on here. I think that that would be a good interview. Uh, the people need a rock star. <laughs> I, it's a, I understand it's a true, uh, it's a true crime podcast, but it's called the Texas law dog podcast because it's a fucking, I'm a fucking enigma y'all. I'm a fucking entity and I plan on being successful. And here's the best part is I'm going to bring all of you with me because I don't have any fucking success right now. I have started with nothing. Like I, I was never poor or whatever, but like I've always been kind of skirting by because I didn't in my twenties spend my money correctly. I blew it all on fucking drugs and booze. So don't make that mistake. Start fucking saving and investing and earning and putting in time and passion to projects that you care about. And that is how you change your life. Because the way that we fix the country is by fixing ourselves. I mean, that's the Law Dog's overall arching point. If you look at yourself and ask yourself, am I a self-ingratiating, unhappy fucking asshole? Why do I feel this way? Do I need to look inside and figure out what's going on with me? It's okay, guys. I've been there. You can. And it's, and it's okay to, to, to admit that you've been a douchebag in the past. I have. I've done the worst things ever to people. I've been a sociopath sometimes. But it's because I was a fucking addict. And so, like, when you don't think clearly, it's impossible to get any sort of coherent uh, strategy together. So my point is, is that I have been redeveloping and rediscovering myself. As I grow, I'm going to bring you guys with me. Everyone that's been listening since episode one, like this is going to be about transparency. Obviously I want to sort out, I want to make, I'd love to be successful and, and like monetize this eventually, but I don't, and if I'm not funny enough to do that, fine. I don't give a shit, but I'm going to fucking try anyway. And that's what counts. And if more people thought like that, then we could have a lot, you know, more solution driven people in this country, I think. And if we focus on not only, <clears throat> rooting out the issues within ourselves, it will allow us to understand the other side's position as well. Because you have to take yourself out of your own fucking reality for a minute if you want to understand what's going on in the world. And, um, and until people do that, it's not, it's, it's not much is going to change. You're going to have left versus right and division, division, division. But eventually, I honestly think the people are waking up to the, the bullshit that they see in the media. They're waking up to the bullshit, like, talking points and they're ready for just the truth it's coming baby and i'll lead the fucking way because honestly y'all i don't have an agenda i have no fucking dog in this fight other than to be successful and show people a route to achieve success like i my goal is not to just make a bunch of money and hoard it for myself and buy a mansion and a bunch of horses and fucking shit like that i want to spread the joy that's how you make it work like if you have wealth and you spread it it allows other people to become wealthy. So everything I'm doing as a lawyer is to facilitate my dream in the music industry. And I think it's important for people to know that because I, as much as I love being a lawyer and I'll always be a lawyer and I will always take cases that I believe in until I die, it's, uh, it's a job, okay? And that's worth admitting. And also like, it's not something that I'm just like dreaming about doing all the time. Like I have my own life. I live uh, for doing stuff other than law. And like, if you don't admit that, then I don't know what, I, I don't know like how I could have any credibility. So I think that if, if people just fucking stopped 
blaming other people for their problems and looked at themselves and what they could change in their own lives. Like I, I didn't have, I had all, I was blaming everyone else before I figured out, dude, just take initiative and fucking take a shot on something. And once I did that, I, I truly, my life has changed, right? Like I, since I've met Johnny, my entire energy and like how I present myself to the world, how I treat people, how I listen to people has changed. And what I'm going to do is as I fucking grow and I'm going to be fucking big, you guys, like, don't you fucking think for a second that I don't know that I'm talented. I, for, for, I know that this thing is going to be huge. People will resonate with this message because it is the truth and it is fucking funny. All right. And if you have both of those things, then you can be successful. And I do, and I will. And I want you guys to fucking follow me into the black and all of these negative, low energy fucking beings that want to cancel people or whatever, they can stay in the red. I'm leaving them behind and I will fucking pay them no mind. I will fucking go all the way up into the stratosphere. I recommend everyone read this book. It's called You Squared. It's by a guy named Price Pritchett, PhD. You'll learn about how to take a quantum leap, man, because this is about discovering yourself. It's about figuring out that if you will something into existence through the power of quantum mechanics and belief, it'll happen. And like, you guys are going to fucking watch it. As I get bigger, I am going to, I'll share my numbers with people. Like, I don't give a shit about any of that. I want people to share in the success of the podcast. People don't do that anymore. Like they all want it for themselves. Fuck that. I want you guys to follow me along for the ride. I want you guys fucking here and seeing the struggle of what it takes because it's, it's not easy to get up and put yourself out there every day and fucking try and make it work. It's way easier to just go work for somebody and get a paycheck. Okay. It is, it's way easier to live that life. And I understand that. And if you are content in doing that, I am not telling you that you need to go be an entrepreneur and just, just turn your life upside down. If you're fucking happy and content and you have a boss that you like and you make enough money, good then you are gravy, Travy. You're gravy, baby, and you're going to be fine. And like you're, you may have concerns about the world, but if you're comfortable and you have uh, you know, a little backstop, it may make your situation a little different. So it's just it's important to keep perspective in mind and everyone else's opinions in mind. Like unless they're just blatant trolls, uh, you know, you if they come to you with a place from respect, like you should listen to them in America today. And we don't anymore. So I hope that, you know, this story, uh, it's just kind of, I'm teasing it because y'all are going to fucking hear a track eventually, but uh, we're going to fucking, I'm going to have my buddy on. We're going to explain how he did this. We're releasing the, we're releasing the record in March. Um, but basically I'm going to go on a fucking barnstorming mission to get this fucking thing sold. I don't care if I have to, personally fucking get cassette tapes made and i will send a <laughs> official law dog letterhead letter to every record label in the country you and i and i will chain myself outside of matt shea's office at 3c in fucking austin with a boom box over my head like night of the roxbury until he gives me a motherfucking meeting because i will do whatever it takes to get this guy into the stratosphere and if people Take that initiative, and I'm going to fucking film it. You guys are going to watch it. It's going to be great. Because the guy's going to give me a fucking meeting, and he's going to sign him because he's, he's a talented enough artist to be represented by the best, and he's going to be good, and I'm going to get him there. And uh, look, guys, I'm, I'm just the point of this story was to say, 
the law dog is not just a fucking criminal lawyer. He is a multidimensional individual that just truly fucking had a spiritual revelation that he needed to stop living for himself and start living for the people. So as, as I individually succeed, I will share it with you guys. And I promise you that is my solemn promise in that I don't have any intention to be greedy. Do I want to carve out a nice life for myself and make sure my family is taken care of? Absolutely. Who the fuck wouldn't? This is America after all. But I don't have to be so fucking greedy that I keep it all. I want to give it back. I want music to be made. I want these artists to be discovered. I want the fucking world to get better. That's all I want. Literally. That's my only agenda. And if you guys want to get behind me on that, I encourage you to fucking join me because I'm going to fucking go into the stratosphere. And I will go viral at some point. It's just going to happen. And then, Nakash, <laughs> you, you are going to laugh because you are going to be like, uh, bro, I'll make you viral. <laughs> We're not even going to need you. It's just going to be eventually the people are going to figure it out on themselves, right? Like they're going to be like, dude, this guy's spitting some truth. He doesn't fucking care about any agenda other than being successful and showing people a route to that avenue. And that's literally why I'm doing this, guys. I fucking love y'all. So guys, look, it doesn't fucking matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. You're a fucking American first, all right? And that is something that over the next two months, you've got to keep in mind, is that your neighbor may have voted for someone different and may think that science isn't real or is or whatever, but it doesn't fucking matter. You're still an American. We still live under the Constitution. And if we don't stay together, uh, even if the fucking Supreme Court, whatever, does whatever, like, it doesn't matter. If we all fall apart and start shooting each other, then nobody can be successful. Nobody can be prosperous. There is no fucking need for violent rhetoric. There's no need for all this calls to stock ammo and all this shit. Like, you guys need to just fucking grow up and be adults again and start coming to the table to talk about how these fucking greedy corporate cocksuckers are taking everything from us because we, if you haven't realized it, are China, wherein the state runs the fucking government. We're China, but the corporation runs us. So until y'all fucking see that and stop feeding into it, then there's no way we're going to change. That's it. I love you guys. And uh, I hope you can join us again next week. We're going to have another guest on and talking about a bunch of fun stuff. Uh, I think we're going to get into frame Toby episode of the office. Your homework is to rewatch that. We're going to be talking some Fourth Amendment issues. We're going to be talking um, a bunch of fun stuff. I'm sure we're going to have some fallout from this episode, but I don't give a fuck because, look, I stand behind what I say. I don't have an agenda. I just want the truth. If the fucking vaccine works and, it, and it's great and you give me the science behind it and I, and I can see that it absolutely works, I'll fucking take it. Um, but until then, I, I am hesitant. So I think that's a fair position to have. I think that... We've had a good episode. I think you guys are going to fuck. Uh, I hope what Mark said really resonates with you guys because it's important to talk about how we're dealing with the COVID issue like in our criminal justice system. And I hope you provided a little bit of entertainment for you guys. We'll be back next week for a big fucking episode. Love you guys. See y'all next week. Nice, bro. Stop. Well, that was a doozy, wasn't it? Thank you, boys and girls, for joining us for another episode of the Texas Law Dog Podcast. Please join us again next week, if you dare, for our hopefully second guest on the show, as well as uh, some discussion regarding the Frame Toby episode of The Office. So 
I know you already know what it is, but it might be helpful to go ahead and rewatch it. Um, we're also going to be featuring some kind of skits and funnier non-podcast content on our Instagram page at TXLawDog pretty shortly. And uh, please be sure to mash that subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe button because evidently that helps. And so far I've had about 80 different people listening. So to the 80 of you who have tuned in, what a treat so far. I promise it's only going to get better. Uh, you can visit our website, txlawdog.com, if you would like to inquire about advertising. <laughs> I'll take seconds away in dollars at this point. Email me, hello at txlawdog.com. You can also just shoot me a note about any sort of opinions you may have on the show. And, of course, if it's good enough, I'll talk about it on the show. Love you guys. See you all next week.